How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jancy. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's been going pretty good. It's, again, been a pretty busy for the last few days, but uh, it's going to be good to get down to talk about tra- trade deadline, uh, although uh, we're doing it a bit later than we usually record. That is true, because, and breaking a little kayfabe here for any of our listeners, usually for these episodes, how we do it is that we record our episodes at 5 o'clock Pacific Time, 6 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. However, it is currently 7 o'clock p.m. Pacific Time, and there's actually a reason why that we're recording this a little bit later, Tim. Now, could you give the listeners a little bit of insight and why we're recording a bit later than usual? So, Chelsea and I love this evening went to uh, an event that was hosted by uh, I think it was the Japanese Course Society and the University of Calgary, and it was Japanese calligraphy. So what you do is it's a, a type of art that has been going on in Japan since at least the, I want to say the 15th or 16th century, and uh, you paint characters from the language in a specific style. And I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> Chelsea was quite good at it. I wasn't. Uh, so it requires delicate brush strokes and a lot of accuracy. Mm-hmm. And I was missing it both. So as it was going on, they're like, okay, time to choose your own, time to choose your own character to paint. And uh, there were some examples, but I brought my kanji dictionary with me and I could speak a bit. So I was like, okay, I know what I'm choosing. And I chose, I'm in trouble, basically. And uh, as I was painting it, uh, People like uh, some of the people are helping, showing you how to do it. Who were from Japan themselves looked over my shoulder and they giggled. It's like, oh, komate, baskam, which is like, are you in trouble? Like, I, yes, I am. <laughs> but it ended up coming out okay. And uh, Chelsea uh, got a very good looking print of uh, her family's historic last name and or her mother's name. That's fantastic. Now, how long did the, now was it a course or was it just a one off thing? It's just a one-off thing. Okay. Uh, so basically, uh, the main instructor, who's local to Calgary, uh, she walked us through the tools, the history of it, uh, showed us some examples of uh, professionals doing it, and then kind of showed us the basic strokes and then let us get at it. Uh, and then there were some other people who were helping out that were visitors from a university in Hokkaido. So that's the north of Japan. Okay. No, that honestly sounds pretty cool, man. Now, how long ago... Now, obviously this happened tonight, but do they usually do these sort of events at the UFC, or is it just sort of sporadically? They try to do it once a year for uh, just getting in the calligraphy instructor and just get teaching a bunch of people how to do it. But, uh, yeah, I don't... I'm not familiar with it myself because uh, what ended up happening is... Uh, so Chelsea's a grad student in psychology at UFC, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, she's been mentoring some of the undergraduates, and one of the undergraduates was part of the Japanese language clubs and Japanese culture clubs, and uh, passed the word along, and both of us got invited and suggested that we come to the event. We're like, okay. So that's how we ended up there. Fantastic, man. It sounds like you guys had a good time tonight. Oh, totes. 
Well, so Tim, let's talk about today's episode because today's episode is season three, episode 20 in chronological order, episode 74, the Mark Borvieski episode. So a little backstory about Mark Borvieski. He was drafted 139th overall by the Ottawa Senators in 2008. He has spent his entire NHL career with the Senators, recording 15 goals, 36 assists for 51 points in 375 games at the time of this recording. And he is noted as he is the first Ottawa native to be drafted by the Ottawa Senators. I thought you were going to say he was the first Ottawa defenseman to stop a crime. No, he is that too, but he was also, but first and foremost, he's the first Ottawa native to be drafted by the Senators because he was born in Canada. Mm. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Mark Borbieski because Boro is one of those guys that. I always found that Sen's Twitter was always sort of divided on him up until maybe this year because the last couple of years, if you were to read Sen's Twitter about Mark Borbieski, you'll always see the people that go, why do we have him on their team? He doesn't really add anything. But then you always have the other group of people that say, well, he's such a character guy in the room and he's such a he brings a lot of presence to the ice and we can see why he, well, the Senators have kept him around. So I want to get your take on that, Tim. Like, Do you feel that Sen's Twitter has really changed their opinion about Mark Robieski over the last couple of years? You definitely see a lot less of the why is he here sorts of posts. And I think one of the big things is we have a lot more to worry about than a seventh defenseman. But at the same time, you really see, I think, Mark Borbieski has really come in as filling in a big leadership role on the team. And you see it in the community too with his work with the Condors, his work with Chio. Uh, it's just Mark Borbieski just gives so damn much that I think it's uh, and the other thing is Mark Borbietsky's play on the ice has also improved over the past few years as well kind of mooting the point it is it. especially when you look at his his season right now because I mean how many goals is he at right now like eight nine uh, eight or nine yeah uh, more than Carlson let's say that but <laughs> hey that's not fair man Eric Carlson went down with an injury for the season true but before that, and during that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's sad, but true. But, you know, Boro, I was always on the boat. Like, I always liked Mark Borbieski, and I remember tweeting a few years ago. He's like, I thought, what did I tweet out? I said, uh, I don't care what anybody says. I still like Mark Borbieski, regardless of how average he may be on the ice. Because he was always yeah. one of those guys that he brought that physical element to the game, and... Ottawa always seems to have a love affair with those kind of guys that bring the physical presence to the ice. You saw that with Chris Neal. You saw that with Brian McGratton. And you're definitely seeing that with Borokop nowadays. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that, well, I guess it's some of these players didn't stick around long enough, like uh, Matty Karkner or Xenon Kanopka or Matt Cassian. But then again, I guess Matt Cassian didn't bring much else. No. Or Matty Karkner could skate, though. Or even Andy Sutton. Yeah. So, Tim, but, even though we are having Mark Borbieski as our cover athlete for today's episode, I just want to give a really big shout-out, and we're going to make him our honorary cover athlete as well, Mr. Chris Phillips, who had his jersey retired this past week by the Ottawa Senators. And, man, it was a fantastic ceremony. I didn't get a chance to watch the ceremony, and in fairness, I didn't really get a chance to watch any of the games this past week, but I did get a chance to see some of the stuff on Twitter about the event, and I love the fact that guys like Radic Bonk and Wade Redden and Patrick Lean still came out for that. And it's really great to see that 
you know, a lot of the older senators from the early 2000s, a lot of the sense I think a lot of older fans really related to because those were the players that they grew up watching with the senators. But there was one noted player who was not there for the event. And I'm not going to lie. If I had not read anything on Twitter about that, I would have not ever known. And that, of course, was Daniel Alfonson. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre. It's true, because Alfie and Chris Phillips really have represented what the Ottawa Senators have meant to the city of Ottawa. And I actually want to bring up Chris Phillips because I don't know if you get a chance to read the article Ian Mendez wrote on TSN.ca where he talked about what Chris Phillips meant to the city of Ottawa. And he talked about how, you know, the flashy superstars always make it in L.A. And you have a city like Ottawa, which is more quiet, more modest that doesn't get a lot of attention. And he says, Chris Phillips was a perfect representation of the city of Ottawa. Yeah. And I think that's very on point. And I think this, it was especially true for the era that Phillips and to a lesser, like Phillips and Volchenkov dominated in was an NHL where that you could do the Yeoman's work and succeed. That's true. And Anton Volchenkov much like him and Chris Neal were talking about the physical presence, that Anton Volchenkov was also a big fan favorite with the Senators with the amount of times that he could block shots with the Sens. Yeah. And pivoting a bit, it's actually really interesting because even former Senators that couldn't be at the event because they were playing a game at the time sent in their warm thanks. Uh, so Zidane Chara and Eric Carlson also sent in videos congratulating Chris Phillips that were played throughout the night. And it was actually really nice to hear Wade Redden speak after all that time. And it's interesting that Wade Redden is back in the fold and has been invited to speak as well. Mm -hmm, Because he was also at the, well, he was also at the alumni game at Parliament Hill a few years ago as well. Mm -hmm. Wade Redden's still funny as ever. And they got, (laughs) during the intermission, they asked about the pool table. So apparently there was an article about uh, young NHL players away from home and without a, without necessarily a billet for the first time. Mm-hmm. And apparently I think it was Phillips and Redden lived together, if I remember the interview correctly. And there's this photo of Phillips and Redden together at a pool table that they got themselves for Christmas. <laughs> See, and you know what's funny? Like, <clears throat> excuse me, we were talking about spitting chiclets last week here on the program. Wade Redden's a guy that I've always wanted to see him on Spit and Chicklets and talking a lot about the stories about him with the Senators because I'm sure that he must have a lot of crazy stories about the early to mid-2000 Senator teams when you had guys like Ray Emery and Brian McGratton and Danny Healy on the team. Oh, for sure. Because uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Wade Redden did have a bit of a reputation as a party guy, right? Yes, he did. Yeah, so you must have some fun ones, but I think, I don't know, it's interesting, because I think you can still get a lot of fun stories out of people, even if it's not in the spit and chicklets context. That's true. I mean, and you know what, I, as long as they're willing to tell those stories, I think it's fantastic, and, you know, we made our comments known about spit and chicklets last week, but the one thing that I really can appreciate, and going back to their interviews, is that they really show the players, they let the players have a personality, and let them just have free reign with what they talk about. Like, they'll tell stories and do whatever. And I think that's very engaging for a listener. And that's why I was praising their interviews last week, regardless of what I may think about the program as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny because, 
I think a lot of people, a lot of spinning chick with detractors are the same people who say that the NHL needs to be a bit more like the NBA, where the players have more personality and uh, more free reign, but then don't really like it when they do that. It's such a weird dynamic. Yeah, it's such a contradiction to what they're saying, too. Yeah, but I think it's very easy to kind of say you want something without really thinking about it. Yeah, that's Because I, I think if you're going to let players kind of have personalities, big personalities, you're going to, even if it's not bro culture, you're going to get over the top and sometimes toxic things happening. So, Tim, let's quickly talk about next week's poll, because next week's episode is Season 3, Episode 21, in chronological order, Episode 75. Now, because we have never had an Ottawa Senator that wore number 75, we've decided to do Sends on TSN Personalities. Now, we've got four men on the board. We've got Chris Cuthbert, Gord Miller, Jamie McLennan, and Grant Wallace. I'm, I'm honestly just more surprised that we uh, have never had a player wear 75. Well, you know what's funny, Tim, is that we've had a player that wore number 76, and for that episode, we are not going to be doing that player because I got somebody special in mind for that episode. Really? Yeah, but we are going to save that for next week's episode on the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Okay. Yeah. So... Tim, let's quickly recap our week because, and I know you were, you and Chelsea were talking about the one-off course that you did, and I know you talked about your week has been a little bit busy, so could you talk to our listeners a little bit about what you've been up to this week? Honestly, other than that, it's been uh, mostly just, uh, it was Chelsea's reading week, so we've been using the opportunity to look at more houses, and so that's been eating up some time, a uh, bit more to do at work, and yeah, I was a bit sick yesterday, so that kind of... I lost the morning, so spent more time doing chores than I would have spent more of the total time doing chores than I would have liked just because I lost the whole morning. Oh, that's not good. Now, because um, eh, we better now. yeah, because you going back to what you're saying about your house hunting. One thing I noticed, and I actually saw this on I can't think it was Chelsea's Twitter or whatever social media accounts, is that she posted a picture of a church that was converted into a house, and he says like, "Isn't is this blasphemous if they had done this?" And I remember reading that thinking, well, no, but I think it's kind of blasphemous that they only have one bathroom to three bedrooms. Hey, I don't think the bed-bath ratio is the blasphemous part here. Well, it's still a pain in the ass. I mean, seriously, what oh, house that has three bedrooms has one bathroom? Have uh, two at least. Come on, guys. Yeah, it's some, someone who doesn't want you to shit. Ugh, clearly, man. Clearly. And okay. So I'll quickly talk about my week a little bit because overall it's been a busy week for me at work. You know, we had a lot of tournaments with hockey tournaments and basketball tournaments. But one thing in particular, and this is outside of work, I actually want to talk about, and you know that I'm a fan of professional wrestling. And we I've talked about it here on the program with, you know, my thoughts on WWE and even AEW. And I'm going to go with AEW this week because... I actually have been really getting into AEW Dynamite, the weekly wrestling program that they're doing on TNT, and I believe TSN 2, either TSN 2 or TSN 4 up here. And I'm not going to lie, AEW has not always been perfect. You know, and I know you're a big anime person, and I know that 
and I'm sure for yourself, like whether you have an anime show or something you watch, you'll always have those one episode or a couple episodes where you just watch and you're like, yeah, it, it happened. Or the fuck is that? Yeah. But this past week of Dynamite, I was actually really impressed with it. And, and it's one of those things where for me, I always find that the wrestling programs I've watched in the past always have like one or two stinker matches or for lack of a term, there's one term that I, lo- <clears throat> I love the fact that wrestling fans have this. It's called the piss break match is where those are the matches you get up to take a leak. Yeah. This week didn't have that, you know, because all the matches were fantastic, even the women's division. And I will say that's the one thing WWE has on AEW is that I don't think their women's division is as strong as WWE is. And obviously they're like WWE's pushing it really hard in their marketing and the matches that they're doing. But the match that they did this week for the women's division, I, I even that I was really impressed by. Because, you know, it's funny. Like, I see some of the female wrestlers on there, and I'm not opposed to female wrestlers. I think there's some really great ones out there. But AEW, I just watch them, and I'm like, there's something that I'm not connecting with here. And I think it's one of the big things is that their longtime champion was all of maybe five feet tall, a hundred and maybe 10 pounds. Like she's fucking tiny. And it's like, dude, I'm not willing to believe that she was the champion. And it's like, come on. But no, I've been really happy with this past weekend. I got thoroughly invested. I love the tag matches, all the singles matches, and even the main event, which was not perfect. But I love the fact that, because they had a steel cage match, that they did have some really innovative spots where... In the match, one of the wrestlers fell in between the apron and the cage, and the other wrestler grabbed the cage and sl- and pulled it towards him because he was pinned right up against the apron and started hitting him with the cage. And I thought that's a pretty interesting spot because I don't usually see that in cage matches. Oh, okay. Yeah, and <clears throat> excuse me. And the match ended with Cody Rhodes, who was the winner of the match, climbed up onto the cage and did a backflip off it, landed, oh. and pinned him. That actually sounds really cool. It was pretty cool, and it's one of those things, like, the match itself, going back to, I you know, your fandom with anime, is that, you know when you have an episode where you watch it, and you kind of see that, say, one character is dominating another character throughout, and yet the character who's been dominating the whole time ends up winning? Yeah, and it's just, and like, sometimes it's done really well, and sometimes it's done really shitty, and there's almost no in-between, right? Exactly. And that was the thing for the main event, is that Cody Rhodes got the hell beaten out of him, and he ended up winning. And I sat there, and I'm thinking, okay, I understand that Cody Rhodes is, like, you know, one of, like, the top guys, and not just as a wrestler, but also behind the scenes. Like, he's one of the one of the really higher-ups in the company. And I can understand why they want to push him, but I'm watching that, and I'm thinking... There's no way he should have won that. Like, yeah, the backflip off the cage was cool, but I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. Something just wasn't connecting with me on that. But I love the fact, like, his manager's his wife, Brandy, and the other wrestler had his manager, and they were bickering outside the ring, and that was really cool. And I, 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 could, I can't praise it enough because I don't have any of the notes ready to go for that particular match or even that episode, but I really enjoyed it. And the last thing I want to comment, because we are a hockey podcast, the arena that they filmed that episode in is the former home of the Atlanta Thrashers, Tim. The 
2007 Southeast Division champions. That never won a playoff game. I uh, know. Long live the thrash. Yeah. Do you think Atlanta will ever get a team again? I don't. No, God, no. Well, they have a minor league team right now. Yeah. Well, I guess the hard thing is, is do you think the NHL will go beyond 32 teams? No. I, I don't see it. I'm sorry. I just don't see them going past 32 teams because, you know, 30 teams is fine. 30 teams is great. And I found for a number of years, the last 20-some years, they found that 20 teams, perfect. And even with the Vegas Golden Knights coming in, the, adding the 31, they're not adding games. They're not moving the playoff schedule around. If they can add 32, I'm fine with that, but keep it at 32, though. Well, I think the big thing about 32 is you also get a much cleaner playoff picture. You get half the teams in, half the teams out. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. And also, with 32 teams... You also, well, if you expand past 32, then you'll you'll start to add in games. You'll have to reconfigure the playoff format and everything. It'll be a mess. So, no, I'm perfectly fine with 32 teams as long as they don't go past that. Yeah. So, let's quickly talk about our previous episode, Tim, because, and actually one thing I got to comment about last week's episode, our recap of our week and previous episode we actually failed to do that last week, and I totally didn't realize that until I was editing the episode itself. Yeah, but then we went for two hours. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we got a lot of... Man, we got a lot of talking points out of the Spit and Chicklets and Jeremy Roenick stories, I'll tell you. Well, it's, they were big stories, eh? They were, and... Um, you know, it's funny, uh, CBC actually did their feature ad on Paul Bizanet about Spit and Chicklets, about working with the Arizona Coyotes, and... It brought up a lot of the points I think that the Globe and Mail article brought up is that, you know, he's trying to grow the game and yes, he's polarizing and yes, he has an aggressive um, sense of humor and it's not for everybody, but he's trying his best to grow the game, especially in a market like Arizona. Yeah, which has been a very hard market for the NHL. It has been, man. But the thing is, and we don't have to go through this again because we talked about last week, but... Those southern markets, because hockey is not a traditional sport to them, that's why those teams need to win. You saw that with Vegas, you saw that with Dallas, and you're seeing it with Tampa Bay now. Yeah. Yeah, and even Carolina. Okay, do we bring up the elephant in the room, Tim, about Carolina? What they do? Saturday night versus the Leafs. Oh, baby. We gotta oh, bring her up. God, that was fucking hilarious. You know the best part about that was, and again, we were talking about Steve Dangle a couple weeks ago. I watched the video, like the Leafs fan reaction video he did on that. How is that guy not had a stroke doing those videos? He gets so angry and so fired up. And I literally thought he was just going to pass out when he's screaming about the least lost to a Sam Bernie driver. How do you even fucking do that? How does a, how does a team have $40 million in four players and you only get 10 shots in the third period against them? I'm sucking. Oh, God. Like, 
I know I, I want to be more even-handed about this, but I don't think I could say anything more than sucks to suck. You know what? And even though we are an Ottawa Senators podcast and the Leafs are our biggest rival, we're not going to make fun of the Leaf fans for this because losing to a Zamboni driver, especially a Zamboni driver on your payroll, is already bad enough. Oh damn! And it's their minor league Zamboni driver. It's not even the big time Zamboni driver. It's not. Like how the fuck is this real? Oh my god, that was amazing. I I'm sorry, Leafs fans, but I'm you know what? It was too funny for me not to comment. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So, Tim, we've got a fully loaded episode coming up because this is, of course, our trade deadline episode. Now, before we do that, we're actually going to take a really quick break, and we are going to come back, and we are going to go headfirst into our trade deadline episode. Now, before we do that, though, Tim, let's go to an ad. Hey, guys, this is Alex Metzger from the Eminem Hockey Podcast, and I am here with the third line plug... Sensecast. Okay, Tim, we are back on the Third Line Plug Sensecast. Now, let's get into the main course of this meal, Tim, because, like I said before the break, this is our trade deadline episode. Now, before we go into the actual deadline trades, we have some pre-deadline trades that we need to talk about. Now, I actually brought in a clip. Now, you know the TSN, you know, the do-do-do, do-do-do. Do-do-do. I brought that in, Tim. Ooh. Now you want to hear Wait, does that mean we're soundboarding? Oh, no, no. I'm going to add in post. Just like I'm going to do it right here. Oh, that's solid. Solid. It still works. So, Tim, let's talk about our pre-deadline trades because... There was quite a few of them. Now, obviously, we're not going to go through all of them because there's so much to talk about, but we are going to talk about the main ones that happened. We're going to start off with the LA Kings have traded Tyler Toffoli to the Vancouver Canucks for Tim Schaller, a 2020 second-round pick, and prospect Tyler Madden. Toffoli recorded 18 goals, 16 assists for 34 points in 58 games for LA, while Schaller recorded 5 goals, 1 assist for 6 points in 51 games for Vancouver this season. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I really like this trade for Vancouver because Defoli was one of the top trade bait players out there coming into the deadline. And with the long-term injury to, or the serious injury to Brock Besser, I feel that bringing a guy like Tyler Defoli into the fold really is going to help Vancouver's chances. With well, the trade. other thing is Tyler Defoli is a fantastic play driver and they were able to get rid of Shaler's contract as well for the most part. So I think this is a very good trade for Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of Canucks fans were upset with the the prospect of Tyler Madden going to Los Angeles. But you know what? This is sort of a... How do I, how do I want to describe this? You have to give something up to get something. And I feel like if you can give up one of your better prospects in Madden and get a guy, a proven guy like Tyler Toffoli, who can step into your lineup right now and score for you right away is actually a big asset. As long as... But here's the thing, though, and I actually want to get your take on this, because DeFoley's in his last year of his contract. Do you see Tyler DeFoley 
signing with the Vancouver Canucks, or do you see him going to free agency July 1st? You know what? That's just such a, such a hard question. Because that also depends on like what else is coming up for the Canucks and if he wants to stick around. Because for the most part, the Canucks roster is mostly set. The big ones coming up are Chris Tanev. His contract is coming up, but he's 30, so you're probably not seeing it go up. Oscar Fattenberg, not sure how much more he'll get. Uh, Troy Stetcher might be interesting. I'm paying enough attention to that. Adam Gaudet and uh, Zach McEwen are also coming up. And Jake Vertanen being RFA might be the big one. Mm-hmm. Now, the big thing for Vancouver on defense, and this is a player that, quite frankly, I am saying right now, if he goes to free agency, I think the Canucks are going to sign him. And that, of course, is Tyson Berry. If the, if the Leafs don't re-sign Tyson Berry in the offseason, I kind of see him going to the Canucks as a right-shot defenseman. Might be a good fit for them. I don't think it's if he doesn't come back to the Leafs. He's not. That's not, true. Not only do the Leafs not have space for him, he wasn't a fit. Yeah, and we just saw that, and I was just reading that about an hour ago, I just completely forgot about that, that the Leafs had re-signed Jake Muzzin. And I think Muzzin has, Muzzin has clearly fit in better than Tyson Berry has with the Leafs. And, yeah, I wouldn't be... I'm not going to be surprised when the Leafs let him go in the offseason, but I'm actually a little bit surprised the Leafs didn't trade him today and trying to get something back because, you know, after their embarrassment on Saturday night, you would think that they would have tried to do something or try to make some moves and maybe make their team better. But, like, it's hard for the Leafs to do that because they have four players tied up at $40-plus million in their cap. Well, going around the rumor mill is that Toronto might have to dismantle their core. They have, at this point, they have zero cap space. So it's not like they could have done anything. Although... Somehow they managed to retain some of Robin Leonard's salary. I, I don't really know how they did that, but it's... I, the funny thing about that, and I did not even realize that the Leafs were involved in the Leonard trade. Could you imagine what the Leaf fans would have thought if they had landed Robin Leonard with that team? Well, it would have shored up some of their goaltending, that's for sure. Well, I mean, in fairness, they have Jack Campbell. And Jack Campbell, who played really well against the Sens when we saw them, but... I don't know how he's been doing in Vancouver, or, excuse me, in Toronto, and maybe that's why that they didn't go after Leonard, thinking that they have Jack Campbell, who, you know, we praised him to the hilt when he when they made the trade to Toronto from LA because we said he had an above nine hundred save percentage with the last place LA Kings. True, although uh, again, it's it's hard, right? It is. Let's go on and talk about our next trade. The New Jersey Devils have traded Andy Green to the New York Islanders for defenseman David Quinville, a 2021 second-round pick. Green recorded two goals, nine assists for 11 points in 53 games for New Jersey, while Quinville recorded one goal, five assists for six points in 18 games for Bridgeport of the American Hockey League. So I, I'm not surprised the Islanders made this trade only because it's Lou Lamorello at GM. And he knows exactly what he's getting in Andy Green. And Andy Green is definitely an upgrade from David Quinville. But 
you know this is a very, very short-term trade for the Islanders. I don't think he's worth a second. I don't think 37-year-old Andy Green is worth a second. No, I don't think he is either. And I'm actually really, I was really surprised to learn that they traded a second for him. But I can kind of see where, if he was just traded David Quinville to the doubles for him, that would have been fine. Yeah. Quinville was not going to make the Islanders. Lou Lamorello knows what he's getting in Andy Green. They're trying to push into and maintain a playoff position right now because they're right on the cusp of that last playoff spot. If I think they're, no, I think they're right in that first wildcard spot just above Carolina right now. So I can kind of see why they made this trade. But no, I totally agree with you. I don't think a 2021 second round pick was necessary to make this deal happen. Yeah, not at all. The New Jersey Devils have traded Blake Coleman to the Tampa Bay Lightning for Nolan Foote and Vancouver's 2020 first-round pick. Coleman recorded 21 goals, 10 assists for 31 points in 57 games for New Jersey this season. Now, in addition on the first, if the Canucks don't make the playoffs, it's a 2020 ra- 2021 first instead. Okay. So obviously the New Jersey Devils, they're now officially in the tank. Because... Their well, season, they were there for a while. But. They've been there for a while, of course, but they're full-on tanking now. Like, they're trading everybody away. And Blake Coleman is one of those guys, and I try to remember his name because there was a guy with the Ottawa Senators, I remember. A lot of Senator fans were pumping this guy up. He had, like, 25 or 30 goals one year, but he had, like, nine assists. And people were thinking he was, like, the next top goal scorer and he flamed out. Was it like Brochensky or? I think I think that was. I think it was Brochensky because he was on the top line with Alfie and Spezza before Heatley came along and joined them. Right. But the thing about Blake Coleman is, imagine if Eric Condra could put the puck in the net. And that's Blake Coleman. Man, that's a scary thought that, you know, Eric Condra could actually score. This is a guy who's uh, scoring about two points an hour, so two points per 60 minutes of ice time on New Jersey. This, I think this is worth a first-round pick. And we're going to see this throughout the rest of the night. Yeah. Tampa's making it rain. Oh, well, you know what? But then again, so is the New York Islanders, man. They're making it fucking... They're doing so many moves to try and really turn them around. And I really love the fact, and I'll talk a little bit more later on, but I love the fact that the Islanders are treading this way because, you know, we've seen it for the last 20 something years of the mismanagement of the New York Islanders. And it's really great to see that they have competent management and competent coaching really for the first time in how many years? I don't know. I think Lou Lamorello did a bit. Well, Lou really to, to me personally, I think he is perfect for what the Islanders need. They need a guy that he comes in, he's not going to bullshit anybody, He's has a proven track record, but he's also not afraid to make deals. And we'll, and we'll talk about this later on. But I actually want to talk about this next trade because the San Jose Sharks have traded Brendan Dillon to the Washington Capitals for Colorado's 2022nd and a conditional 2021 third round pick. Dylan recorded one goal, 13 assists for 14 points in 59 games for San Jose this season. Now, the reason why I want to bring this trade up is because I was looking at the return he got. 
And we'll talk about in the last trade before we go into the actual deadline. <laughs> this is actually not that... This is a really good return for Brendan Dillon. Until the day of? Hell yeah. And Brendan Dillon is about as stalwart as they come. Yeah, because he was... I'm trying to remember... He, he was to Eric Carlson what a guy like DeMello was to Thomas Chabot. He was just that force on the blue line and a very stabilizing defenseman that the highly offensive guy needed on the team. Yeah, no, it's Brandon Dillon has been very good in San Jose for the past few years, and I think he sure, like the Washington Capitals are definitely a lot better with him than without him. Absolutely. Man, that Metro division is going to be scary, and oh, it's going to be no. damn good hockey. It's going to be really good, and I'm, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised, and I'm going to say right now, if the Stanley Cup champion comes out of the Metro... I honestly would not be even surprised, given the amount of talent that's now going into that division. Yeah, well, between that and uh, just how scary good... Like, I think the East is definitely better than the West this year. Oh, there's no question about that. Which is surprising, because half the Atlantic is in the East. Sorry, I mean half the Atlantic. Ah, I like that. Actually, let's talk about the, one of those Atlantic teams. The Montreal Canadiens have traded Marco Scandella to the St. Louis Blues for a 2022nd and a conditional 2021 fourth-round pick. Scandella recorded one goal, two assists for three points, and 20 games for Montreal this season. I'm actually surprised St. Louis played <laughs> so much. It is, but you know what? With what happened to Jade Bomeister, I can kind of understand why they went after a guy like Scandella to maybe shore up. The, their defense without Bo Meester in the lineup. And given that Scandella, I I don't have much of an opinion on Scandella because I didn't get a chance to really watch a ton of him in Montreal. So I really don't know what to make about, you know, the three points in 20 games. Either he was a healthy scratch or injured or whatever. But I like this for St. Louis. Right. I, I don't... spent a bunch of time at the beginning of the season on Buffalo. I don't agree with giving him a second, though. No. And the hard thing with Marco Scandella is he's had a better season this season, but uh, it's not a lot to write home about, especially because he's a bit of a sieve in his own end and uh, can't clear the front of a crease to save his life. So yeah, I, I think this is an overpay. Oh, for sure. The LA Kings have traded Alec Martinez to the Vegas Golden Knights for a 2022nd and a St. Louis 2021 second-round pick. Martinez recorded one goal, seven assists for eight points in 41 games for Los Angeles this season. Now, I know a lot of LA fans were sad to see Alec Martinez go because he was this guy that scored the cup-winning goal for them in 2014. Now, obviously, LA is another team that's very deep in the tank, and I love the fact that Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille are both finally recognizing that, and they're saying, okay, we're shit we're not very good. Let's trade everybody away and let's rebuild. And I've been saying that for a while. I've been saying LA needed to do this. And I'm glad to see that LA is doing this because they have, what, the second or third best odds to land the number one pick? I wish they'd done it next year. I uh, know. But uh, here's the thing. I'm surprised. Like, Alec Martinez has started his decline. And it has 
hasn't been graceful. So I'm a little surprised Vegas, who's usually a bit better at pulling, evaluating that sort of thing, uh, ponied up. Yeah, this is another guy that I I don't really agree with giving him a second, like you were saying, because he's on the decline right now. But we're going to see this a lot, is that you're seeing a lot of these guys, like they're getting traded for second-round picks, and you're looking at the player and you're like, that guy is not worth a second rounder. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, the Foley trade? I can understand why they traded a second for him. They could have even argued you could have got a first for him, even if it's a very, very low first. But with a guy like Martinez, I just don't see it. I don't see a 2020 second round pick worthy for him. Well, I guess that's... I guess GM's losing their mind at the deadline is back this year. Oh, yes. Actually, speaking about GMs losing their mind, Tim, the Anaheim Docs have traded Andre Cache to the Boston Bruins for David Backes, Axel Anderson, and a 2020 first-round pick. Cache recorded seven goals, 16 assists for 23 points in 49 games for Anaheim, while Backes recorded one goal, two assists for three points in 16 games for Boston this season. How the fuck did Boston do this? Well, the thing is is that right after they made this trade, they put Cassay on injury reserved. So I can kind of understand why the Bruins did this, because David Backus's contract, I'm amazed they got out of that. Yeah, and they got a very, very good player in Cassay back. Yeah, which I just want to quickly talk about David Backus in Boston, because when they signed him, I remember saying, that made no, no sense. To sign him. Because you already had Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand at center. You did not need another center. Big centerman like that. Especially no. for that cap hit. Like, I can understand if he was a winger. Maybe a speedy guy that, you know, could put up 20 goals. Not for a third line center at best. With the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Especially one whose uh, best scoring days were behind him. Yep. The Vegas Golden Knights have traded Cody Eakin to the Winnipeg Jets for a conditional 2020 fourth-round pick. Eakin recorded four goals, six assists for 10 points in 41 games for Vegas this season. Now, given that the trades that the Vegas Golden Knights have made, and we'll definitely talk about this later in the episode, now that we have the hindsight, I kind of understand why they made the Cody Eakin trade. But at the same time... I know there were some Vegas Golden Knight fans that were not happy about this. At the same time, there just wasn't really space for him anymore. There wasn't. And especially, and I can understand why they made the deal, like I said, because, you know, they brought in Martinez, they later brought in Lanner, they brought in players like that. So I can understand why they did it. But you know what? He's going to a team in Winnipeg that could possibly really use him. And that's really good. And that's why I always like... When the deadline comes along, when you see a player that basically lost his spot on one team, goes to another team, and they use him perfectly. And I really like that. Mm-hmm. Well, the hard thing is, is Cody Eakin, he is what he is at this point, and uh, he's not a guy who's going to give you a lot of offense. No, if you could use him as, say, say a third-line, fourth-line guy, maybe put him... I don't want to say put him on the penalty kill, but if you can use him as an energy guy on the fourth line, especially in the playoffs, then he's perfect. Yeah. 
Now our next trade, this is one that I'm not going to lie. This really gave me the old school EA NHL feels. The Montreal Canadiens have traded Ilya Kovachuk to the Washington Capitals for a 2020 third round pick. Kovachuk recorded six goals, seven assists for 13 points in 22 games for Montreal, following being bought out by LA earlier this season. Now, before we go on to talk about this trade, Tim, I would just like to point out, somebody on Twitter tweeted this out. Ilya Kovachuk is now on the payroll of four different teams. He's on the payrolls of the Devils, the Kings, the Montreal Canadiens, and now the Washington Capitals. But here's the thing. You made this comment, and I love the fact you brought this up, Tim. When I when we first heard that the Kovachuk to Washington deal happened, your immediate reaction was like, oh my god, this is like the be a GM mode in NHL 10. He says all we need is like for them to make trades for Nick Glitchrum, Chris Pronger, and Roberto Luongo. Yeah, like, this is like team building for 10 years ago. But at the same time, I'm just amazed that one man can be paid, paid by four teams at once. Well, here's the thing. What a time to be alive. Oh my god, it's amazing. I really like this for Washington because... Ilya Kovachuk, at the beginning of this season, looked like a guy who was completely cooked. You watched him, and you're just like, what the hell is this? Like, this is not Ilya Kovachuk. Like, what the hell's going on? He gets bought up by L.A., he goes to Montreal, he turns the clock back 10 years, and the guy starts scoring at will. And I love the fact that, in one comment, and this is why I'm not surprised that the Washington Capitals picked him up, do you remember a feud that happened between Alexander Ovechkin and Evgeny Malkin? No. Okay, so there was a feud probably circa 2008 between Malkin and, Col and Ovechkin because Ovi and Malkin were really good friends. They were teammates and they were roommates at the 2006 Olympics. And then they had a falling out after Ovechkin punched out Malkin's agent in a Russian nightclub. And so there was a lot of hostility between the two men and given that the 2010, the 2010 Olympics was coming up like a year or so away, so at the 2009 All-Star Game in Montreal, Ilya Kovachuk was the guy. He brought Ovechkin and Malkin together and did a Russian peacemaking offer. And that's why if you go back and watch the skills competition, that's where you saw the Ovechkin with like the safari hat and sunglasses with Evgeny Malkin shooting the Gatorade in his mouth. Right. Is because... Ilya Kovachuk himself brokered that stupid-ass deal. Yeah, but again, I clearly want to talk about Ilya Kovachuk because I was going through his stats, and we've talked about him already several times this season on the show, and I'll say it again. I often wonder if Ilya Kovachuk had not played those five years in the KHL and he had remained in the NHL, one, I often wonder what his goal totals would be, but also I wonder if Alexander Ovechkin would be considered the greatest Russian goal scorer of all time, if Kovachuk had stayed. Because, and a little bit of Ovi watch, like we didn't get a chance to talk about Ovi watch, he hit number 700 this week. That's a huge accomplishment. I often wonder what Ilya Kovachuk's goal total would be if he had not stayed. I don't think it would be as prolific as Ovechkin, to be perfectly honest. I don't think so, but I think he would be... I'm not saying he would hit 700. I'm saying he would be about five. But 
I don't know. Like, it, he's just one of those guys that he could score at will. And Kovacek and Ovechkin were the two guys that just bent the fucking Southeast Division over and made them their bitch for a number of fair, years. The Southeast wasn't very good at that time because that was like Tampa on the way down, Florida doing what Florida does best, and Atlanta. But even with that, when you have a guy like Ovechkin and a guy like Kovachok playing in the same division, scoring at the prolific rate they were, it's often wondering what those totals would be if Kovachok had stayed. True. Also, at the same time, maybe we treated Camp Ward too hard. Because the poor bastard had to do his career in that division. Yeah, that's a good point. Anyway, on to the next one. Yeah, so we're going to quickly, we're going to close out our pre-deadline trades by talking about some Ottawa Senators trades. The Ottawa Senators have traded Max Moranenu to the Toronto Maple Leafs for Aaron Nulak and a conditional 2021 six-round pick. Moranenu recorded zero points in four games for Ottawa this season. So, you know, Max Moranenu last season was a guy that I watched and I was kind of impressed. Like, you can see the speed, you can see his, not so much his puck handling because he was kind of like a Ryan Dezingle. Like his hands didn't catch up with his feet. But Veronanu was one of those guys that you saw the speed and you thought, okay, if we developed him a little bit more, maybe his hands will catch up. But unfortunately, it just looked like he was lost in the shuffle with Belleville this year. Yeah, and it's hard because that Belleville team is very good. And there's a lot of young guys that are going to be coming up from there. And if Verano can't cut it now, he's not going to. So I don't mind them cutting their loss. Mm -hmm. I'm just surprised that Aaron Luchuk came back to Ottawa for, and I'm spoiling our deadline episode a bit more, a hot minute. I know. Yeah, the uh, just like the Nate Thompson era, this one was also short-lived. Well, this is shorter than the Nate Thompson era. It's this so is the Ian Cole. This is Ian Cole time we're on. Yeah, that's true. I'm so glad that I didn't buy an Ian Cole Sens jersey. Did you even have a chance? Nope. All right, moving and, on. And now we've come to the big pre-deadline Sens trade. The Ottawa Senators have traded Dylan DeMello to the Winnipeg Jets for a 2020 third-round pick. DeMello recorded 10 assists in 49 games for Ottawa this season. Now, before we, we go we had a meltdown. Hold on. Can we quickly talk a little bit about the main person we need to feel for in this trade? Craig got burned real hard. He did. Because... Craig McDaglia, the Ottawa Senator social media director, the one thing when you watch his material or you watched his videos over the last couple of seasons is that he had his ace in the hole with Dylan DeMello. And yeah, while the Shabbats and the Dechucks and guys like that were really, really good for, and even Mark Borbieski were great for the videos, Dylan DeMello was always that ace in the hole that you knew he was going to brand. And also... Who are we going to have now to win Movember on the Ottawa Senators for 2021? Or even 2020, for that matter. Yeah, who who on the current sense is even old enough to grow a mustache? Ron Hainsey? Ron Hainsey. That's about it. What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> but, uh, 
No, and it's going to be sad because as far as social media content went, there was really no one better than DeMello. It's, yeah, especially when it came to times where Dylan DeMello would just take the microphone from the interviewer and start interviewing players. Yeah, and he was surprisingly good at it too. So I actually want to talk a little about Dylan DeMello because, you know, when we had our first half recap with uh, Alex Metzger, sorry, I was totally blank on his name. When we had Alex Metzger on the show, we talked about DJ Smith and we talked about his player management I think the one guy that we should have brought up, and I didn't, don't think it really became as evident until the Sens rolled into the second half of this season. I don't think DJ Smith properly utilized Dylan DeMello. Because if he had utilized Dylan DeMello perfectly, him and Shabbat would have been the number one pairing all year. Because yeah, he, because he watched, would have gotten more for DeMello. He would have. Like, I like the guy. But on a good team, he's a third-line defenseman. He but is. at the same time, Andy fucking Green can get a second. I, th- I think if Otto had waited a few days, they might have been able to get more than a third. That's true. And Mello was one of those guys that even watching some of the games, and you would see him in the depth chart, and it's like, okay, why is Zaitsev ahead of him? Why is Boro ahead of him? Why is Ron Hainsey ahead of him? Like, you would watch the games... And you'd see who they're pairing with Shabbat, and you're just like, what the hell are we doing? Why are we not pairing Dylan DeMello? That's who we paired with him all last season. And you saw the production. You saw how Thomas Shabbat played with Dylan DeMello. And I don't know if DJ Smith either recognized that or was willing to rec- or willing to accept that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because I think we might have gotten more for it if Dylan DeMello got roadshowed a bit better. So, Tim, now that we've talked about the pre-deadline episodes, or pre-deadline trades, can only mean one thing. It's time to talk about the NHL trade deadline trades for 2020. Now, we've got a number, a number of trades we need to talk about. This was a big year. It was a huge year. And I have to say, Ottawa really came out looking good. Edmonton came out looking... A lot of the Canadian teams end up looking good in this. Yeah. Sort of. But, the one that was at, one of the ones that were actually in the playoffs. For sure. Speaking of the Canadian teams, we're going to start off with the Edmonton Oilers acquired Mike Green from the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for the contract of Kyle Braziak in a conditional fourth-round pick. Green recorded three goals, eight assists for 11 points in 48 games for Detroit this season. I really like this for Edmonton. Because Edmonton, the one thing that the Oilers have really missed is a player like Mike Green. Now, obviously, he's not the Mike Green circa 2009. He's not. This is Mike Green's corpse. It is. But I like this trade because you know that they're getting a decent enough defenseman. And especially that they're getting out of the Kyle Brodziak trade. And I don't know the conditions in the fourth rounder, but basically they're getting, you know, they're getting an NHL-ready body for their playoff push. Yeah, and given how absolute dog shite the Pacific is, they're going to make it. And I wouldn't be surprised if they went around just on the hilarious weakness of the West. For sure. But also when you look at the other other trades, and we'll talk about that more later on, 
it wouldn't be surprising if they were to make the playoffs and even maybe win a playoff series. But I think for me, it really depends on their goaltending too, because, you know, and there was always a lot of questions with McDavid's injury and Connor McDavid's back. How the hell is he back now? That's what I want to know. Cause I thought he was pretty much done for the year. These star players are fucking magic, dude. Skate or die. Yep. The Carolina Hurricanes have acquired Vincent Trocek from the Florida Panthers for Eric Halla, Lucas Walmar, Edu Lochranen, and Chase Priestley. Trocek recorded 10 goals, 26 assists for 36 points in 55 games for Florida, while Halla recorded 12 goals, 10 assists for 22 points in 41 games, and Walmar recorded 11 goals, 12 assists for 23 points in 60 games for Carolina this season. This is a really weird trade for Florida. Because Trocek was not a bad player for the Florida Panthers. And this was a really weird one. Like, I understand the Eric... Like, Eric Hall is a pretty decent player. I want to get your take. I just... I don't know what to make of this, to be honest. I don't get this trade from Carolina's perspective. Because I don't think Trocek is an upgrade on Halla. Like, both of them play first or second round minutes... Sorry, first or second line minutes, both of them are, I'd probably say Halla's much better in the offensive zone, while Troshek's a bit better in the D zone. But they're both very, they both push the play in the right way. And Halla's younger. Sorry, no, my bad. I, I, I kind of get this for, I kind of get it for Carolina because Troshek's the younger player. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is a weird trade and I don't really get it. Yeah, and this is one that really, for me, came out of nowhere because I really wasn't expecting Florida to make any deals, you know, unless they played for the Ottawa Senators at one point. But, <laughs> yes, I'm still bitter about that. But you know what? Yeah, Vincent Trocek was a guy that I just, I don't know, I just didn't see Florida trading him. So when I heard that they made this deal, to me, it just was like, really? You, you, you traded him? I mean, oh, okay. Okay, yeah, because this is a team that could very easily knock Toronto out of the playoff race and put themselves in it. And, yeah, I'm surprised. Like, it's just a, it's a bizarre trade. The Colorado Avalanche have acquired Michael Hutchinson from the Toronto Maple Leafs for Callie Rosen. Hutchinson recorded a 4-9-1 record with a .886 save percentage for Toronto, while Rosen recorded two assists in eight games for Colorado this season. Did somebody say trash swap? Yeah, pretty much. I, I really don't have any opinion on this. Trash swap. Yeah, that's all we can really say. The Philadelphia Flyers have acquired Nate Thompson from the Montreal Canadiens for a 2021 fifth-round pick. Thompson recorded four goals, 10 assists, or 14 points in 63 games for Montreal this season. Not a bad depth pickup for the Flyers, to be perfectly honest. And even though they they didn't really give up a, a really high pick, but it's a decent enough depth pickup for the Flyers. Yeah. Word was that they were trying to get in on Pajot, but at the same time... Uh... If your if your backup plan for Pajo is former center Nate Thompson, well, uh, you've gone a ways. Well, you know what, Tim? The Philadelphia Flyers didn't acquire just one, but two ex-Ottawa Senators. The Philadelphia Flyers acquired Derek Grant from the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for Kyle Chrisakulo and a 2020 fourth-round pick. Grant recorded 14 goals, six assists for 20 points in 49 games for Anaheim this season. 
Now, of course, I think I might have used this term once or twice on this show. I remember said player from the EA NHL games, but not as a player. Well, this was Derek Grant is he is a very competent fourth line player, and I believe he's also a fourth line center. Uh, interesting pickup by Philadelphia. Yeah, this would be another depth pickup for sure. Much like yeah, Tony Thompson. I guess the thing is, they have. I would say that Philadelphia is pretty well stocked on forward, to be perfectly honest. So I'm honestly a little surprised by these pickups because I don't think they were strictly necessary. True. The Pittsburgh Penguins have acquired Patrick Marlowe from the San Jose Sharks for a conditional 2021 third-round pick. Marlowe recorded 10 goals, 10 assists for 20 points in 58 games for San Jose this season. Now, did you get a chance to see... Uh, I think it's Christine Marlowe's Twitter post that she posted after the trade was announced. No, no, no. So basically, she made a she made a Twitter post and she put up a picture of Patrick Marlowe's school photo in a Pittsburgh Penguins T-shirt because the Pittsburgh Penguins were his favorite team growing up. And she says that she has a lot of funny fit pictures like this. You know what? If he's happy, I'm happy. But this is also a guy where it's. Uh... The Leafs trade a first-round pick to get out of his contract. Yeah, it's really sad to see that, you know, Marlowe, again, is no longer a member of the San Jose Sharks. But you know what? I honestly think this is the end of the road for Marlowe. And if he can help Pittsburgh make the playoffs and even help them in the playoffs, then this could be a good move for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. But then again, like, you can just strap a player to Sidney Crosby or... Evgeny Malkin and they become good and proofs in the pudding with one of our next trades but one of the surprising things about Patrick Marlowe is dude can still drive play in the offensive zone like he might be a bit more sippy than he used to be but you know what it probably at age 40 it probably is the end of the road for Marlowe but I don't think he's been off like he hasn't been great this season but I don't think he's been awful either no, and I don't expect Pittsburgh is expecting Marlowe to come into Pittsburgh and turn the back, turn the clock back 10 years. No. The Buffalo Sabres have acquired Wayne Simmons from the New Jersey Devils in exchange for a conditional 2021 fifth-round pick. Simmons recorded eight goals, 16 assists for 24 points, and 61 games for New Jersey this season. This isn't a bad pickup by, by, call, sorry, by uh, Buffalo? Buffalo, to be honest. Like, the fact that they're not playing, paying the full brunt of that contract and they get a player who is still kind of useful is pretty nice. It is. But I think Buffalo... Well, Buffalo's so far out of the playoffs race, I think, at this point that they're not expecting him to be a key contributor for a potential playoff push. Yeah, it's... It is a bit of a bizarre trade, to be honest. But I guess it gets him off the... He's off the books at the end of the season. So there's a lot of... Like, Buffalo's a team like the Senators where they'll, they only have four forwards signed after this year, hey? Really? Yeah, Eichel, Skinner, Ocaposo, and uh, Marcus Johansson. Well, I mean, Eichel for now, I guess. You know, until for he now, says, yeah. fuck Buffalo, I want out. 
Wayne Simmons isn't who he used to be, but he's still not a bad player for two million bucks. Oh, are they, uh, is New Jersey retaining salary on? Retaining half. Okay, that's not too bad then. Yeah, it would be uh, two and a half then, if that's the case. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Edmonton Oilers have acquired Andreas Athenasiu and Ryan Kofner from the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for Sam Gagne, a 2020 second rounder, and a 2021 second round pick. Athena CU scored 10 goals, 14 assists for 24 points in 46 games for Detroit, while Gagne recorded 5 goals, 7 assists for 12 points in 36 games for Edmonton this season. I like this trade for Edmonton. I don't know about you, but I don't know if Athena CU is worth two second rounders. I'm not sure if he's worth two second rounders, but this, if you put Athena CU with McDavid... I think scary shit happens. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a, so much speed between those two. And Anthony Seo can put pucks in net. So I think I'm liking Edmonton. I'm liking what Edmonton's put together here. Mm-hmm. And definitely with the next Oilers trade we're going to be talking about here in a little bit. But we're going to turn our attention back to the East because the Boston Bruins have acquired Nick Ricci from the Anaheim Docks in exchange for Danton Heinen. Richie, or Richie recorded 8 goals, 11 assists for 19 points in 41 games for Anaheim, while Heinen recorded 7 goals, 15 assists for 22 points in 58 games for Boston this season. I think the big thing about this trade is uh, I think the Heinen contract was a bit too much for what it was worth. Yeah, I can see that. But otherwise, good player. Yeah, he's, and both he, players are fairly, like, they're fine. Yeah, it's, it's a fairly even trade, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, I have no real opinion on it. I was like, okay. It's a trade that happened. It's a trade that exists. Yep. Florida Panthers have acquired Emil choose from the Dallas Stars in exchange for a 2020 sixth-round pick. choose recorded four goals, 25 assists for 29 points in 48 games for the AHL's Texas Stars. Decent enough... You know, minor league pickup for the Panthers. That's about as much as we can really say on it, though. Like, it's yeah, just, pretty much. It's just a minor league pickup. Yep. The Pittsburgh Penguins have acquired Connor Sheary and Evan Rodriguez from the Buffalo Sabres for Dominic Conan. Sheary recorded nine goals, 10 assists for 19 points in 55 games, and Evan Rodriguez recorded five goals, four assists for nine points in 38 games for Buffalo, while Conan recorded 10 goals, 11 assists for 27 games in 50. 10 goals, 11 to 17 assists for 27 points and 50 games for Pittsburgh this season. Rodriguez and Cheery are guys who, they just got crushed by bad luck in Buffalo. Like, it just wasn't working for them. So, I guess strap them to Malk and watch them go. Yeah, I can see that. But you know what's funny about Connor Cheery? Much like Carl Haglin, he was one of those guys that... You look at his stats and you're like, wow, he really hasn't put up a ton of numbers. I don't know, maybe because he played for the Penguins for a number of seasons. Maybe that's why I just immediately think that his point total would be much higher than it is. Yeah, fair enough. Although, uh, again, strap him to Malk and see what happens. Yep. Vancouver Canucks have acquired Louis Domingue from the New Jersey Devils in exchange for Zane McIntyre. I'm going to say that's my favorite name in hockey right now. Zane McIntyre. Crash swap. Pretty much. Domingue recorded recorded a 3-8-2 record with a .882 save percentage for New Jersey. 
this season. Yep, it's a trash swap. The Vegas Golden Knights have acquired Nick Cousins from the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for a 2021 fourth-round pick. Cousins recorded nine goals, 13 assists for 22 points in 58 games for Montreal this season. This is a value pickup. Oh, for sure. And I don't. I like this for Vegas because, you know, come playoff time, a, a guy like Nick Cousins could actually be a, a very solid attribute for the team. And he's a cheap pickup to really short to add a bit more to Vegas's already good, very good stable of forwards. I know. I still miss you, Mark Stone. I know. But, like, holy crap. Their top six is Pacioretty, Carlson Stone, Marshall Schultz, Stasny, Riley Smith, and then add Nick Cousins on the third line, and you've got a spicy meatball. The Calgary Flames have acquired Derek Forbold from the LA Kings in exchange for a conditional 2021 fourth-round pick. Forbold recorded one assist in 13 games for LA this season. Hold on a second. There's an NHLer whose name is Bort. Or Bort. Yeah. I wonder if, if his mom bought him a license plate, too, at Itchy and Scratchy Land. I hope so. I'm not sure this actually shores up Calgary's defense all that much. No, I don't think so. I think this is more of a seventh defenseman, maybe at best. Maybe a minor league pickup. I don't know. I, I just don't know what to make about this for Calgary. Yeah, I guess it's filling it, hoping to fill in a hole that Giordano's left with his injury. But yeah, it's surprising that Hannaf- well, the Hannafin trade just hasn't really worked out that well. TJ Brody's starting to slide. Michael Stone, not great, and I don't think Forbert's really all that either, to be perfectly frank. But they didn't pay much, so we'll see what happens. The Chicago Blackhawks have acquired TJ Brennan from the Philadelphia Flyers in exchange for Nathan Knoll. Brennan recorded one goal, seven assists for eight points in 28 games for the AHL's Lehigh Valley Phantoms, while Knoll recorded zero points in eight games for the American Hockey League's Rockford Icehogs. The Calgary Flames have acquired Eric Gustafson from the Chicago Blackhawks in exchange for a 2020 third-round pick. Gustafson recorded six goals, 20 assists for 26 points in 59 games for Chicago this season. Player that I haven't watched a lot, to be honest. And he's just kind of a player that's been... uh, Yeah, I'm not sure if he's that great of a player to be honest like he can put up points pretty okay but yeah other than that i'm not really seeing it the washington 27 i'm not sure if he's gonna become anything more no i don't think so i think maybe they're just trying to shore up their defense again with this pickup yeah not a fan washington Capitals have acquired daniel sprong from the anaheim ducks in exchange for christian Dujus. Sprong recorded one goal, one assist for two points in eight games for Anaheim, while Dujus recorded zero points in two games for Washington this season. Now, I just want to ask... one of those guys who's just never fit. Can I just ask, am I pronouncing that guy's last name? D-J-O-O-S? Dujus? Dujos? I think it's probably just Jews. Jews? Yeah, something like that. D-J-O's. D-J-O-O-S. Yeah, he's a guy who's come in and out of the Washington lineup 
haven't really seen much of him, so I don't really have much of an opinion. And Daniel Sprong is, it's kind of funny because he's one of those will he, won't he players. Mm -hmm. And uh, frustrated Pens fans for years. And you know what's funny? He didn't play very long for Pittsburgh either. No. He only played, I think, three seasons or something with them. Yeah, and he's only 22, so if he developed, I think this is a good pickup for a good long term pickup for Washington. Because you've he, got a young guy if he who develops. might be able to control the puck <coughs> a lot better than he's shown. Yeah, I've got really no opinion on this. I think it's a decent pickup for Washington. You know, adding Sprung, maybe a third, fourth line guy. You know, Christian Jews or DJOOS or whatever you want to pronounce his last name. Could be a minor league guy for Anaheim. Or, yeah. should I say, your favorite AHL team, the San Diego Gulls. On to the next trade. The Car- I'm sorry, Tim. That'll never stop being funny to me. The Carolina Hurricanes have acquired Sammy Vatanen from the New Jersey Devils in exchange for Yanni Kukakakin and a second-round pick. Vatanen recorded five goals, 18 assists for 23 points in 47 games for New Jersey this season. Decent pickup for Carolina. and It's a shame because Vatanen's one of those guys that I really thought he would have done really well in New Jersey. Because the Devils have always been known to have really, really good set or defensemen in New Jersey. And it's a shame that Vantanen's game just didn't really translate in New Jersey. Yeah, I, I think one of the other things is that Sammy Vantanen might have always been a little overrated. Because he, he lets shots in from all over the map. True, and I think because and the with New- just isn't there either. Well, with New Jersey now, I think maybe his game was getting a little exposed because when he was at Anaheim, and you can't quote me on this, but I think his defense partner with the Ducks was Cam Fowler. Yeah, so it's probably better than, but it still just never really was there. And his last year, even in Anaheim, like when he was on the ice and he was getting first first line minutes, that crease was a hot zone shots coming in so I don't know I'm not sure this is really a, I'm not sure this is a trade I would have made as Carolina because one of your areas of strength is your defense and well I guess it really depends if you think Dougie Hamilton's coming back anytime soon yeah that <clears throat> excuse me yeah that's true but you know what Vatanen I think on a team like Carolina where they are strong defensively I think that he could probably make a few mistakes whether than he was with New Jersey where he couldn't make those kind of mistakes because his supporting cast was not as strong around him. That's fair. The Columbus Blue Jackets have acquired Devin Shore from the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for Sonny Milano. Shore recorded four goals, six assists for 10 points in 39 games for Anaheim, while Milano recorded five goals, 13 assists for 18 points in 46 games for Columbus this season. You know, it's funny, and I'm just quickly looking up on, on Google. For whatever reason, I thought Devin Shore was one of our draft picks at one time. But I don't believe he ever was, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think he was either. No. I want to actually want to quickly talk about Sonny Milano because he was a guy that I think Columbus had really high hopes for him, and I don't think his game has really translated that well in the NHL. I think the thing with Sonny Milano is the scoring pumps and drips and drafts for him. Yeah. And I think he was really starting to come into his own this year. And the kid's 23. The shooting metrics are on his side. The de- He still needs to work on his defense a bit, but it'll come. True. And it, he was finally starting to get 
more than sheltered minutes, playing about 13 minutes a game, getting second-line ice time. So I'm a little surprised here. Although Devin Shore himself is definitely more further along the development, but he, his ice time is really tumbled. Mm-hmm. Now, one trade I was thinking about this when I heard about this, obviously it's very different because the player that we gave up was a higher, higher-end prospect. But this kind of reminds me of remember when we traded Mika Zibanejad for Derek Broussard? Yeah, this smacks of that. Yeah, this kind of s- smells of that. Where you have a guy like Milano, who was a really decent prospect from the Blue Jackets, and they gave him up for a guy who was older, more developed, and played a style that maybe was su- more suited for their system. Yeah. No, no, I don't like this trade. Well, let me tell you, Tammy. I like it for... Yeah, I think the Ducks did well here. Well, I'll tell you, Tim, if you didn't like this trade, this one just made your head hurt. The Tampa Bay Lightning have acquired Barkley Goudreau in a 2020 third-round pick from the San Jose Sharks in exchange for a 2020 first-round pick. Oh, my God, Tim. San Jose's got a first pick. But it's not their own, so it's fine. And Anthony... Greco. Goudreau recorded 8 goals, 16 assists for 24 points, and 62 games for San Jose this season. Okay, Goudreau is not worth a first pick. Let's get this out. Okay. My head hurts trying to comprehend Barkley Goudreau got a first rounder this year. I mean, granted, not a very good one. It's from Tampa Bay. But still, Barkley Goudreau. Yeah. Some fucking magic. Then again, this is a team that plays Luke Shen. But, I, I, yeah, it burns my brain. <sighs> I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to make of this, Tim. I mean, I like them picking up Barkley Goodrow. Yeah, he's a decent player, but he's not worth a first-rounder. Yeah, fuck. Let's go on to our next trade. The Arizona Coyotes have acquired Marcus Hanakanen, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, from the Columbus Blue Jackets in exchange for a conditional 2020 seventh-round pick. Heikkinen recorded seven goals, 11 assists for 18 points in 28 games for the American Hockey League's Cleveland Monsters. That pick isn't getting traded. Nope. Because Marcus has to Hanakanen has to play ten games for the Coyotes this year for that to go over. The San Jose Sharks have acquired Brandon Davidson from the Calgary Flames in exchange for future considerations. Davidson recorded zero points in seven games for Calgary this season. I love that term. Yeah, I know. Me too. Let's go to our next trade. The New York Islanders have acquired Jordan Schmaltz from the Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for Matt Lorodo. Schmaltz recorded two goals, 11 assists for 13 points in 37 games for the American Hockey League's Toronto Marlies, where Lorodo recorded nine goals, 14 assists for 23 points in 50 games for the American Hockey League's Bridgeport Sound Tigers. That's a fun name to say, Bridgeport yeah. Sound Tigers. Yeah, I enjoy it. But anyway. Death pickup. Death pickup. National Predators have acquired Corbanen Holster from the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for Matt Irvin and a 2020 6 round pick. 
Pulser recorded one goal, three assists for four points in 46 games for Anaheim, while Irvine recorded two assists in 27 games for Nashville this season. Only comment to make about this trade, Matt Irvin, native of Victoria, B.C. Huh. But otherwise, that's swap. Yep. The Vegas Golden Knights have acquired Robin Leonard, Martez Tajikas from the Chicago Blackhawks for Malcolm Subban, Slava Demon, and a 2020 second-round pick. Leonard recorded a 16-10-5 record with a .918 save percentage for the Chicago Blackhawks, while Subban recorded a 9-7-3 record with a .890 save percentage for the Golden Knights this season. I really like this for Vegas. Because Malcolm Subban is a terrible goaltender. Robin Leonard has really come into his own. And I like this. I like this for Robin Leonard. I like this for the Vegas Golden Knights. And it makes me happy that Leonard's going to a really good team. Yeah. A hundred percent. Let's appreciate the structure of this trade. Because somehow Pittsburgh's second round pick gets involved in this trade. No, you know what's the best part about this is? And the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs! Oh, God. <laughs> like, I, they traded $2.5 million worth of cap room that they probably could have used to get their own, like, a, something to shore something up and got a fifth-round pick out of it. Like, if you're using something very precious to you, like, I guess it's off the books at the end of the season, so it doesn't really matter. So you might as well. But, like, man, I thought Toronto would make an actual pickup here. I know. But I guess <clears throat> they got their guy in Clifford and Soupy earlier. Yeah. Or, or is his name Tappy? Tappy. But, damn. <laughs> that's, that's some magic stuff. Oh, I love it. And now, Tim, we've come to the part of the episode I sure a lot of people want us to know. The Ottawa Senators were involved in three deadline trades today. You know, unlike the one last year where... Oh, wait, 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 wait. There's one more trade of a questionable first rounder. Where? Uh, Carolina Hurricanes acquire Brady Shea for a conditional oh, first rounder. Oh, Brady Shea. Fuck, how did, I, how did I miss that? And... It is the later of Carolina or Toronto's. I don't like this. I don't either. Brady Shea's not worth the first. He might have been if he uh, panned out the way he looked like he would have. Although, I'll tell you right now, Tim, if he was a member of the Ottawa Senators, then the certain person I have in mind for episode 76 wouldn't be in the consideration. That's true, that's true. But, yeah, Brady Shea looked like, like, in that 2016-2017 series we played against New York Islanders, he looked very good. And the points were there, and he was taking the ice time well, and then the wheels came off the bus. Yep, very much so. Now, Tim, it, you know yeah. the funny thing, and we were talking about the Ottawa Senator trades. This is not going to be like last year where, you know, Mark Stone and Ryan Dezingle and Matthew Shane. You know, our star players got traded. But the Ottawa Senators actually made some pretty good trades today. And we're starting with the Colorado Avalanche have acquired 
Vladislav Domestikov from the Ottawa Senators for a 2021 fourth-round pick. Domestikov recorded 13 goals, 12 assists, or 25 points in 54 games for Ottawa this season. So here's the thing about Domestikov. I didn't really know what we could have gotten for him in a trade. I, I just didn't. I didn't know what the market bared for him. I didn't know what we could have gotten for him. So I'm okay that we got a fourth for him. We could have got a third maybe, but I'm okay with a fourth. Yeah. I guess the big thing, though, is like, I don't know what would have happened if Pierre Dorian sat on the offer for two hours. It's true. But I think because he was too busy making trades for the other players within the organization, maybe that's why he made it so quickly. Yeah, fair enough. Because, fuck, if uh, Barkley Goodrow gets a first, I think Nemestikov can get a second. Yeah, for sure. The Edmonton Oilers have acquired Tyler Ennis from the Ottawa Senators in exchange for a 2021 fifth-round pick. Ennis recorded 14 goals in 19 for 33 points in 61 games for Ottawa this season. This is probably the trade that I was I was really upset to see Ennis go because Ennis was one of those guys that I was really hoping that Ottawa could re-sign him. Because I was really, like, as a bottom six energy offensive guy, he was perfect. And he's one of those guys, like, every game that I watched, Tyler Ennis was always moving, always handling the puck, always trying to do something. And he was... And he was always in the right place, too. Like, the guy's got... The guy still has really good hockey IQ. His hands are still there despite all of the injuries. And you know how, like, throughout... Every time we talk about Tyler Ennis, one of the big things was, like, how has this guy, with all the skill, never been able to put it together? Mm-hmm. I think he finally has. I think so. And, he, you know, he's going to a team in Edmonton that could really use him because, and I have to, I don't think they're going to put him with Connor McDavid, but they might put him with a Nugent Hopkins. And I think it could work. But I was talking to our bod Dave, formerly of Maple Syrup Shots, about it. And I said, you know what? I was sad to see Ennis go, but I really do hope that he does well for the Edmonton Oilers. Well, the nice thing is Tyler Ennis can play either way. <coughs> so you can shove Alex Chase on off the first line and put Tyler Ennis there. Yeah, that's true. And I honestly, could you imagine after the deadline we see an Athena CU McDavid Ennis line? That'd be it'd be a very good line. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I mean, it could be better if uh, Edmonton wasn't capped out with stupid, but true. But you know what? Ennis was still a pretty solid pickup for the Oilers. Oh. No, you can't, you can't hit that. And as for the return, I think Ottawa could have done better, but the difference between a third and a fifth, it's not that big anymore. No, especially depending where in those rounds you're taking it. Because if you take a lower third, then you might as well have getting a very, you should have gotten a higher fourth at that point because there's not much of a difference. Honestly, this is another trade where I wonder if they'd sat on it for an hour. Maybe they would have got more. Maybe. But it's hard, you know. It is. Because the risk runs the other way, too. What happens when the other big market players are tapped out? That is true. That is true. And now we've come to the big trade, Tim. The one trade since Twitter unanimously declared was fantastic. 
The New York Islanders have acquired Jean-Gabriel Pajot from the Ottawa Senators for a conditional 2021st, a 2022nd, and a conditional 2022 third-round pick. Pajot recorded 24 goals, 16 assists for 40 points, and 60 games for Ottawa this season. Now, let me quickly say this, Tim. You know me. I always try and be the devil's advocate, especially with Pierre Dorian and some of the moves he made. Pierre Dorian nailed it. This, I did not expect us to get this kind of return from Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Because especially when you saw the moves for Toffoli and the guys that were like the top trade. Yeah, or the, the top trade bait guys. And they were getting seconds. And you and I were talking about this. And we are like, oh my god, maybe we're not going to get a first rounder for Pajot. Maybe we might get a second or maybe a third. Pierre Dorian nailed this one. To get, we have three firsts now. How many second rounders do we have this coming year, Tim? Four. Four of them. Pierre Dorian, and you know what? I know a lot of people have been very critical about Dorian. He is putting the Ottawa Senators in a position perfect for the rebuild. And you know what? We have to give him a lot of credit for this. Yeah. Especially because... The New York Islanders later gave him an extension for six years at five million dollars. Five million dollars, like holy shit! Like, like I know, but going into the deadline, I was like, you know what? I'd be happy. I'd be very happy to have Pajot stay. I love the guy. He's super clutch. Like, fantastic part of the room. Very, very good two way forward. He's not. I don't think he's a five million dollar player. Oh, God, I'm so happy right now. And that's the thing, and I don't want to sound like that because I like Pajot too. The guy was well, super I clutch. I think he could be a second-line center, and that's second-line center money, so maybe it's not that terrible, but it doesn't fit into Ottawa's plans. It doesn't. But you know what? If they had offered him $5 million at, say, three years, perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Not five million per for six years and apparently that's what pierre dorian was offering him as well yeah no uh when but when you're given a first and a second because let's be honest we're not getting the third because that condition is lol miles win stanley cup i know but yeah that is uh those are some those are some conditions, but I think we're, yeah, we're loaded, and I think we did. I think Pierre Dorian did a very good job on this one. You know what, Tim? To borrow from a very popular meme that I'm using now is, look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. Let me but tell you, it's so good to be. Time, it's so good to be on this side of the coin when it comes to players being traded and we getting really good picks out of this. Yeah, no kidding. But, uh, like... The lines that went out against uh, the fucking Columbus Blue Jackets tonight. Is that even a fucking NHL team at this point? Apparently at the start of the game, they had like 10 forwards because uh, who was it? Um, like Matthew Pekka wasn't even there yet. Matthew Pekka wasn't there. And I think Shalopic? Was it Shalopic? I thought it was ho- yeah. No, Balsers. It was Rudolph Balsers. Balsers. <laughs> 
calls or is this up on an emergency call up Mikhail Bodker's like third line duty he was on the first line tonight what the fuck like what the hell is going on this is a guy who has who was in the coach's doghouse all years getting first line I know, and it gets worse because Anthony Duclair got injured in that game, too. Tank City. Yeah. Oh, believe me, Tim. When we get talking about next week's games, I'm going to be borrowing from the urinating tree meme when talking about the game on Saturday. Like, how does this game even exist? I don't know. Chris Tierney played 25 minutes. Chris Tierney at 25. Oh, my God. Colin Connor Brown at 24. Actually, Connor Brown apparently had a really good game. He had scored twice. Yeah, yeah he did. And uh, Colin White yeah, scored two goals. And Colin White had a third. Good for him. Yeah, but it's just like... What the... F- what the fuck? <laughs> what the actual fuck? Uh, Tim, we are so perfectly suited for the tank now, Tim. We've got the draft picks. We don't have the players. Alexei Lefonier, come on down. You're coming to Ottawa. Like, who the fuck is Jay's higher luck? I don't know. Although, I'll tell you right now, I think for episode 79, I think Drake Batherson's going to have some competition with the cover athlete pool. Yeah. Well, it's like, where the fuck did he come from? Michael Pekka is... Is the result of the so goddamn Aaron Luchuk revolving door. Although I'll tell you one thing, Tim. You know what's funny? Back in the day, Mike Pekka just dominated Ottawa when he was a member of the Buffalo Sabres, and now we have his son, Matthew. For how long? I don't know. It's fucking, how many times has Aaron Luchuk been traded by the Ottawa Senators? <laughs> Twice. Twice. <laughs> so, Tim, do you have any comments you want to make about our Tread Deadline episode before we head off into the close for another evening? We forgot Ben Harper. Oh, yes, we did forget about Ben Harper. And let me tell you something right now, ladies and gentlemen. If you were wondering why the Toronto Maple Leafs are struggling the way they did, it's not because they're not because they have 40 million type and four players. Not because they couldn't beat an AHL Zamboni driver in goal. It's because they misused Benjamin Harper. You mean Ben freaking Harper? Yep. And also, yeah, the other thing is like, the one thing when we're talking about the Vantanen trade is, uh, I forgot to mention that Freddie Clayson still exists. Ooh, that's right. Freddie Clayson still does exist. God, remember when we thought he was going to be one of our decent prospects? Yeah. That injury really killed him. It did. So, Tim, any any comments you want to make before we head off into the close? Can we even say that the games we are going to watch going forward are hockey games? Well, I mean, they have 60 minutes, three periods, five aside. Yeah, I think we still refer to it as hockey. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network. We can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. You can also find us on Twitter at Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at MNN Honey Badger and at Gwaitwright Gipster, GR8, W-A-T-E, Gipster. 
If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the NHL trade deadline, shoot us an email, thirdlinepublicsensecast at gmail.com. So, Tim, next week we are back talking about hockey games. Now, we've got four games on the schedule. We've got tonight's game in Columbus versus the Blue Jackets, which we lost 4-3 in OT. <coughs> Excuse me. Tomorrow night we are in Nashville to play Matt Duchesne, Kyle Turris, and the Nashville Predators. Thursday we are back at home to play the Vancouver Canucks. And Saturday, at home, versus the Detroit Red Wings. Oh, that's going to be a garbage game. Tim, if I can burrow from your name tree... Tim, prepare for Tank Bowl! <laughs> Just, what is this team? Like, okay, I was ragging on the Sets for having, like, literally who's on their team. But, uh, I don't even know who have. I didn't know Franz Nielsen still played hockey. Me neither. What the fuck? Darren Helm and Applicator are still around. Yep. Oh, we're gonna see some shit. So is Jimmy Howard, too. Yeah. You think we can lose to this... Like... Oh, sorry. You also have to remember, this is Ottawa's first game against Cody Golubov. Oh my god, I know, we totally forgot about him. So did the Senators. Next week's episode is going to be so weird, I'm going to tell you. (laughs) So, Duclair's gone. So the Senators have used all their emergency (laughs) call-ups. Oh, good gosh. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. This is Tim Jensen. Go Sens, guys.